0: Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, October the 6th. And whenever you are listening to this, wherever you are, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness. Uh, Thank you for being present with me as we break open the Word of God for this 27th Sunday in ordinary time. Uh, As we listen to this, as I record this, uh, you know, the calendar year is waning and our liturgical year is waning. I hope wherever you are, it is as beautiful there as the colors are here and as the, the weather turns and it, gosh, it just has that crisp feeling in the air and it just is that beautiful fall. Hope you're able to experience that or take some time just to enjoy it wherever you are. Hey, my friends, we are going to hear two readings today that are almost identical. You are going to hear the first one. It's going to be the first reading from Isaiah. Yeah, and uh, I, I, you know, you may well listen to it and say, I know exactly what the gospel is going to be. And you know what? You're going to be right because they almost, uh, well, they tell the same story and the thread is incredibly obvious within them. But uh, the way Isaiah tells it and the way Jesus tells it in the gospel, while there are differences, and I'll, I'll try to, to remember to note a few of those, um, they really are pointing in the same direction. Uh, so without, you know, kind of just sitting here chatting and, and, you know, losing time, let's just get right into uh, breaking open God's word. I invite you, however that is to settle yourself, to open yourself, to invite God's spirit uh, to reside within you as this word comes and and finds that home, makes that home within you. So for those who do want to follow along, whether it's during the podcast or read it separately afterward, our our first reading from Isaiah, Prophet Isaiah, right, is going to be Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. And then our gospel, as always during this year A, is going to come from Matthew, chapter 21, verses 33 to 43. You know we're getting closer, right, to the end of the liturgical year when we get deeper and deeper into the chapters because uh, Matthew's passion begins with chapter 26. We're already deep into 21, which really only gives us four more chapters uh, for the next, oh, five or six weeks because it will end when we begin the new liturgical year on Advent. Uh, and we'll start over, and when we get back to uh, Ordinary Time, which will be after the Christmas season, uh, it'll be Mark's Gospel, because that's then we're on Mark's uh, cycle. Anyway, let's break open God's Word, and let's see what God invites us to chew on this week. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. My friend had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spaded it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower and hewed out a wine press. Then he looked for the crop of grapes, but what it yielded was wild grapes. Now... "'Inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, "'judge between me and my vineyard. "'What more was there to do for my vineyard "'that I had not done? "'Why, when I looked for the crop of grapes, "'did it bring forth wild grapes? "'Now, I will let you know "'what I mean to do with my vineyard. "'Take away its hedge, "'give it to grazing, "'break through its wall,' Let it be trampled. Yes, I will make it a ruin. It shall not be pruned or hoed, but overgrown with thorns and briars. I will command the clouds not to send rain upon it. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his cherished plant. He looked for judgment, but see bloodshed. For justice... But hark the outcry. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This really is, it's wonderful, isn't it? The word of the Lord. He's he's not saying, listen, this is good news. I mean, there's good news there. There really is, and and we'll point to it. But he's saying, listen, I'm going to hold a mirror up to you. And that's the word. And, uh, And sometimes we get that mirror held up to us. We don't like it. This is one of those times. Um, Wow. We'll come back to it. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in a similar way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how can that be good news? It's hard news. But did you hear some of the subtle differences? In Isaiah, where, uh, you know, it brings forth, uh, he's looking for choice grapes and it brings forth wild grapes, right? And then he says, listen, what what's going to happen to the vineyard? And Isaiah says, listen, the hedge is going to be taken away. It's going to be given to grazing. We're going to break through its wall, and it's going to be trampled. Uh, I'm going to command clouds not to send rain upon it. We're going to make a ruin of it. It won't be pruned or honed. It's going to be overgrown by thorns and bribes. It's going to be a total waste. It's a wasteland. That's what's going to happen. But not in Jesus's. Not in Jesus's parable, Right? What happens? I mean, literally, the, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the elders, they answer correctly. What's gonna happen? He said, He's gonna he's gonna get rid of those men, and he's gonna lease it to other tenants who will produce at the proper times. And Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. Now remember, he's talking to the chief priests and the scribes. So they're I mean, Jesus in his brilliance is, is bringing judgment upon themselves. They don't even realize it, right? They're doing it themselves. Jesus is just creating the environment, and, and they see it. Don't, don't you know, <laughs> don't question whether they saw it or not. They did. Why? What happens five chapters later? They kill him. We'll get to that. But uh, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and will be given to a people that will produce fruit. The, the vineyard won't be trampled. It won't be overgrown. It won't have rain not come on anymore. It won't be, uh, uh, overgrown with briars and, and thorns in a wasteland. The hope, although subtle, is still there. Do you see it? And Jesus, again, you know, this ties into last week. Of, of course, the gospel is always tying to each other. You know, is it, uh, is it really about, um, uh, not it's not about being good isn't that what we talked about last week right and and in one sense of course that's correct because it's all grace but in the other sense of course it's, it's about being that image of christ in the world it's about it's about working on behalf of the kingdom now it must be and if we had any wonder whether is Zach way off base on this or not again i think the gospel is what brings it to us, where Jesus says, listen, it's going to be given over to a people that will produce its fruit. That we got to be about that. That it's not just sitting on our haunches. Or was it two weeks ago? I think the gospel were, or maybe it was last week, forgive me, the The wonderful parable of, of the two sons, right? Or the two children, let's just call it that way. You know? I think that was last week's. <laughs> Gosh, should have looked that up. But, you know, it's not about words. It's, it, it, there are actions there. So I guess here's a couple of things I just want us to ponder. And again, if the Spirit takes you elsewhere, praise God, and you stay with that. But as I was praying over this, as I was reading it, as I was thinking about it, I was pondering it, um, I just go back to that... I love that image in, in Isaiah. He sets it up beautifully. And and listen, of course Jesus knew it. And he used Isaiah's image. It's no accident that the two tell virtually the same story because Jesus was steeped in it. Um, but I love how, and again, this is part of the hope in Isaiah, uh, that Jesus, he oh gosh, I want to get it exactly. Uh, when he's preparing the vineyard, you know, he spades it, clears it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. And he's looking for this crop of good grapes, right? I mean, brothers and sisters, you have to know, you and I, and and I mean, it's, it's very clear, right, where Isaiah and where Jesus are going. I mean, Isaiah says it clearly at the end of the parable. Uh, Vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are the cherished plant. They're the grapes. Jesus is saying, or excuse me, Isaiah is saying, you are the choicest of vines. You are the choicest of of grapes. You and I, we are created in the image and likeness of God. That is no mistake. Now our problem is we forget, don't we? Gosh, we are forgetful people. And we get caught up in our own stuff, in our own smallness. I don't want to go down that path. I did that last week. I don't want to just repeat myself. But but we we, we forget who we are, and we settle for far less, those smaller kingdoms that I talked about last week. But brothers and sisters, this word reminds us, you are the choicest of vines. You are the choicest of grapes. But yet, what is there about human nature? Isaiah is is writing this 700, 750 years before the birth of Jesus. Um, He's writing when Jerusalem was just about ready to get... uh, lambasted by Assyria. Assyria had just taken out the northern kingdom, and now it was looking south at Judah and thinking, hmm, that looks pretty choice. That looks pretty good down there. You know, so this is happening. 750 years before Jesus, and he's saying, what's going on with humanity that God creates us in God's very image, yet here we do all these things, right? I mean, you just check down the Ten Commandments, click, 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 and and, and we're, we're doing them. It doesn't even have to be the Ten Commandments. It could be whatever. What is there about us? And I think the easy answer is, well, Adam and Eve sinned, brought sin into the world. Now, brothers and sisters, we have to really—what um, it, 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 seems to be an easy answer isn't easy at all. Because as Catholics, we would call that story in Genesis, which would be Genesis chapter—well, technically the fall is chapter 3, the creation's in chapter 2. It's the second creation story, right? We would call that prehistory. As Catholics, 99.9% of Catholic theologians will tell you the first 11 chapters before we get Abram slash Abraham in chapter 12. That is called prehistory, the story of Noah and the flood. All that's in there. All in there using mythology, using uh, um, uh, story to tell a truth. Now, don't get me wrong for a second. Those are all true. They are all true because they point to truth, but they use a uh, story and myth to tell that truth the same way Jesus tells this parable, and it is true, even though he's telling a story, right? And um, and what we would say is that's prehistory. And so what it talks about is, you know, these, this humanity is created in this garden uh, in intimacy with God. And yet we choose this forbidden fruit. What is it? The, the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil, right? What's wrong with, with knowledge? People just say, oh, it's the tree of knowledge. No, knowledge is wonderful. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's saying that we want to be in the place of God. We want to know what is good and evil. And I can look at somebody else and say they're good. I can look at somebody else and say they're evil. And I stand in the seat of judgment. And I take the place of God. And that's why he's saying, don't eat of that. That is only God's to do, not ours. But yet we want to be our own gods. And so we do it all the time. They did it in Isaiah's time. They're doing it again in Jesus's time. And, and they're doing it in our time, right? Because in Jesus's time, he's talking. Okay, so this has happened in Isaiah's time that he talks. Jesus's time, he's talking to the chief priests and the elders of the people, the people that run the church at the time, right? And he's saying, "What? Why are you um, uh, allowing this happen? You're the tenants of the vineyard. You know, I mean, in Jesus, Isaiah, we know that the the vineyard is is Judah, and we know that the the uh, product, the the plant, is the people. In Jesus's parable, the in a sense, it is Israel, the the vineyard, but it really is almost the, the temple. It's almost the the, the guardians of it, and the people that are coming are, of course, the prophets over the ages that are coming to, to say, hey, how are you, the, the owners of the vineyard now, since the, well, excuse me, the owner went away, the tenants who he leased it out to, the, the um, owner leased it out to before he went on the journey, uh, are those chief priests and elders who are the tenders of the flock, And he's saying when these prophets are coming throughout the ages, right, you kill them and you stone them and you throw them in pits and you beat them, you do all these things. Why? Because they're inviting us into someplace new and you don't like that. And so they get rid of it and they want to be in charge of the vineyard. Why? Because they want to make the call. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I, I don't know the Pharisees. I don't know the Sadducees. I don't know the elders and the people. I don't know chief priests. I don't know any of them. But here's what I think. This is my guess. Now, you throw it out. I don't think they're really sinister people. I don't think they were any worse than people we meet going down the street today. But what I do think is they were wrapped up in making sure the temple as an entity survived. They Their very identity had become so wrapped up in the temple that if somebody came by and said, listen, we're doing it the wrong way. The word of God is inviting us over here and our temple practices are going in this direction. They're going right while the word of God is inviting us to go straight or left over here their identity becomes so wrapped up in the temple that they couldn't see where the word of God was inviting us somewhere else. And so if somebody else was saying, we got to go this way, they again, it's a systems theory. It's just, it's what I talked about last week. They have two choices. They can either accept the message and, and bring the temple and all its practices way over here, but they may be in less control of what they're doing and their identity may have to change and that's really hard work. Or they can simply banish or kill or beat uh, or, or you know, whip or do whatever to these people and silence them. And that's what they did. That's what they did in Isaiah's time. It's what they did in Jesus's time. Because you know what? Our identities become so wrapped up in whatever entity it is that that becomes, in a sense, our God. Now, we wouldn't say those words because that's idolatry. But we act like it react like it. And brothers and sisters, if we think that that stopped in Jesus' time, we'd be wrong. Because that very same thing is, we like to be in control today. We like to be our own gods. And the bottom line is, uh, there are people in the church that we know that are exactly like this. They are not bad people. They are not sinister at all. They are good. But their identity has become so wrapped up in the church that they cannot separate it from it. And when we say, listen, uh, the, the scripture, our God, the spirit of God is inviting us to, to move in a new way. As we, I, I speak this, the synod is going on over in Rome. How wonderful that that, that the spirit of God, the, Francis is opening us all up to this new way of being church. And we don't know what way is going to come out of that because the spirit is entirely free. But there are people that are, you know, lambasting against it. Why? Because they are so wrapped up in the entity, they cannot lose that control happens all the time but this is not just in the church not just in our government because it happens there too but it happens in our businesses in our hometowns it happens in our families it happens to us individually we get so wrapped up in whatever it is that we think we are by the way you're not what you think you are we're more or we're less not less where the choice is divine, so I don't mean it that way, but but we're not as large as maybe we think we are and we're not as small as perhaps we think we are. Brothers and sisters, I suspect our loving God has brought people into our lives and we have said no and rejected them and people have invited us into new ways of being and new ways of thinking and we are the vineyard individually too and say, nah, not interested in that. I'm not interested in being something different. And somehow we've silenced them. Maybe we've talked about them behind their backs. Maybe we uh, just simply ignored them. Maybe Maybe we were pretty upfront and aggressive to them. I don't know. But I know that what Jesus is saying, what Isaiah is saying, they're both telling story, but they're saying the truth. Here's what I know, and I'm going to end with this. I love where Jesus goes here at the end. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It's wonderful in our eyes. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to say this. You know, uh, Monsignor Quixote is a a book by Graham Greene, you know, written years ago. But in there, there's a, a scene where this whiskey priest and the mayor of this town are both in jail together, and they're going to be killed. And, um, and they're communing in this jail, and they don't commune by telling all their wonderful things they've done through their life. Their community, their love, their togetherness is brought about by sharing their vulnerabilities. Um, I think that's what our God is saying here. Brothers and sisters, we all have those places of weakness within us. We have them as individuals. We have them in our families. We have them in our church. We have them in our communities, in our countries. We have blind spots. To the extent that we ignore those, we don't allow the Spirit of God to get in because the Spirit of God cannot come in where there is no truth to the extent that we are able to be vulnerable and share them with one another we commune with our god and with one another and that brothers and sisters is exactly what i think jesus is saying is pointing to the stone which the builders rejected that which in us which we think is shameful is the very thing that brings us salvation is the very thing that calls us calls out for grace from from among us and, and within us, it's the very thing that unifies us to that lover, uh, to that spouse, to that family, because we're all vulnerable and we see each other in a similar manner. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to be in control. We don't have to find our identity in something outside of us. You are the choicest of grapes. You are the choicest of vines. And our God looks to you and delights in that, that's the only place we find our in which we find our identity. And the, the sooner we can gravitate toward that and realize our God loves us, even in the midst of these uh, parts of us that are rejected, that we reject, that we don't care for, and we open ourselves and allow God to love us at that place now. Because if we only let God love us later when we're when we're ready and, and we're perfect, we never get to that place. Only when we can invite God to do to do that now can we indeed produce fruit that lasts and brothers and sisters the kingdom will be given over to those who produce fruit this is an important reading it is the word of the lord it is a tough mirror but may we look in it well and open ourselves to where the spirit invites us let's pray We continue to move through the uh, glorious mysteries. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The second glorious mystery, Jesus ascends. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. My friends, bless you. As always, thank you for being with me and opening God's word. May your week be filled with every good blessing. Be well and God's peace.